Welcome to For the Love of Dogs with Dennis Wolf. Hey, everybody. It's that Friday thing again. I don't know how this keeps happening, but the weeks are going quickly. And now we've got our delightful COVID Omicron. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce its name, but I don't think it deserves to have its name pronounced properly. I'm about done with this. I'm also done with people just having really crummy attitudes to each other. I'm really especially upset at how many people who probably shouldn't have dogs and pets are getting them and giving them up. And what's happening is people are blaming. This is what's going on in our civilization right now, folks. People are blaming the animals. Now, if an animal is poorly bred, which is a lot of them, especially these backyard breeders and puppy mills, they're breeding really poorly genetically modified. I mean, it's like you wouldn't eat the corn if it were genetically modified. Well, these are like, you know, just the craziest combinations of things. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you take a herding breed and put it in with a high energy, like, you know, hound or something or a high energy other kind of a dog? It's going to be crazy. Look at the breed and the combination of breeds, and that will generally get you what you're looking for. It's not the dog's fault. It's really not. It's not the animal's fault. And sometimes it's not even the human's fault. But we need to stop buying these designer combinations of things that are not sold with at least a minimum two-year health guarantee by people who are just breeding them to make money. They don't care. And, you know, what's winding up happening, and I just had this with somebody I know very well, not so much a friend, but a, a good acquaintance, who got one of these little, well, she started with something else, a little, you know, not, not a designer dog. It was like a little, small little dog. And the dog was severely aggressive, and it was, oh, God, less than four months old. I mean, it, it, this is me saying it was severely aggressive. It was trying to bite everyone. It was it was biting people. And the dog was maybe, what, eight pounds? But it was definitely poorly bred, even though it was purebred. You can't confuse poorly bred and, and say, you know, poorly bred is like a rescue because that's got nothing to do with it. Um, it's like saying, you know, somebody's religion, it doesn't show what color skin they have or where they're from. It's just a religion. It's like a something else. Well, you can't say that, oh, well, look, because this is a purebred, supposedly, whatever it is, it's going to be a great dog. No, because that just means both parents were of the same, or we think, same breed. It doesn't mean they were well-bred. It doesn't mean that they had hips, elbows, thyroid, bare surf, genetic tests, anything done. It doesn't mean they have good temperaments. It just means that, you know, both of the parents are the same race or the same species and the same breed, we think. So what's happening, and like I was saying with this person who's lovely, she had this one dog. She traded the dog with the quote-unquote breeder who gave her a different one, which was a mixed breed of a poodle and something else, little dog. The dog, it's not a bad dog. It's just a very needy dog. The dog was created with anxiety, was the last one she had. So, you know, she's the woman who bred the dog was probably, you know, dumping the dog on this poor unsuspecting lady. And so now the lady's got a dog who she can't walk more than a foot away. The dog is 
all over. The dog is jumping and barking and biting the kids and, and biting the little one that she has there. Um, and it's just chaos. I had the dog here, and the dog was way better. The dog wasn't barking. I corrected her gently a few times. She took the corrections, but she's an anxious dog. And an anxious dog, if it's not behavioral, it can be chemical. It can be actually when these animals are being, if you would, formed and developed in their mother's body in utero. And what happens is if there are chemicals or if there is a great stress on the female, whether it's born under a, you know, under a, a trailer home in, you know, somewhere in the deep south, or it's born in a, you know, in a home, but it's a puppy mill or kind of a backyard breeder, the stress that they can have, even if the mother has digestive issues or fleas or parasites or something, or Lyme disease, which is one I saw, um, the mother dog had Lyme disease and all the puppies really have a lot of issues, even though the mother didn't have temperament issues. And then you have to look at it. The mother, the father, the grandparents, you have to look at their temperament. It's not enough to say, oh, I saw the parents. Well, yeah, but why weren't the parents in with the puppies? Oh, they don't like other dogs. Well, gee, that's a red flag. But what I'm seeing is that people just don't either want to or don't feel that they can or that they don't feel, I guess, obligated that once they get this little dog, this little puppy, that they're going to take care of it appropriately. And that is a big problem. And I want to talk about that today. Because we shouldn't be, first of all, we shouldn't be getting a dog or a cat or any other animal unless we plan to stay with it for its life. Think about when you see, you know, some very rich man and he's got this gorgeous babe on his, on his arm and everyone looks at it and says, oh, yeah, she just wants him for his money. That may be true, but he just wants her because she's beautiful. So... There is a relationship. We want something and then we get something. Well, when you want something and you get something, you also have to give something. So if you purchase or you rescue or whatever an animal, unless that animal is aggressive or really has significant issues, give it a shot. Do the right thing. Take care of the animal. Find a great behaviorist. Um, You know, I I have trained a couple hundred people around the world to be behaviorists and not just people that I deal with, but there are other people, not a lot of them, but there are some that are really good and that can help you through the problems that you're having. I mean, you can always call us or uh, email us. Um, You can email us at um, K9Behaviorist with an S at the end, K9, letter K number nine, behaviorists at gmail.com. Um, you can also call us on our 800 number, 855-449-9288. That's 855-449-9288. If we don't have somebody in the area, we'll try to find somebody. Um, even if they're not trained by us, we'll try to find somebody who is really good. But the problem is that when... People commit to something in a relationship, in any relationship, in a friendship or in a marriage or in an ownership of an animal. You should do very carefully and do so thoughtfully 
that what am I going to do if this doesn't go right? What am I going to be capable of? Can I handle if it's not the perfect situation? Is that okay? So how can I do that? How can I then ensure that whatever puppy or kitten or rescue dog or turtle or whatever you are going to rescue or purchase, especially if you're purchasing one of these designer disasters and you're going to buy, you know, some little, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, look how cute it is. Right. Bit a bit your child in the face and almost took his eye with him. So maybe that wasn't a good idea. But there's a point at which, yes, when a dog is especially as aggressive or a cat is aggressive, they can do a lot of damage. But you've also got to be thinking about that. What happens if everything goes great? That's great. You don't have to worry about that. No contingency plan required. But what happens if something happens? Like people say, my dog has never bitten anybody. I said he hasn't bitten anyone until he bites someone. And there are certain breeds that have very bad reputations. Sometimes it's deserved. Generally, it is not deserved. But you can't say about any animal, you cannot tell me your spouse will not cheat on you. Oh, I know she would never cheat. I know he would never cheat. You can't say that until the top of the casket is closed on them, and then you can say, he never cheated, she never cheated, they never cheated. But until that, you cannot guarantee the future. There is no guarantee of that we'll even be here tomorrow. How do we even know that an asteroid's not plummeting to, to hit us, as I read on uh, one of these uh, ridiculous uh, news, pseudo-news channels that, you know, everybody in the world is a conspiracy of everything. So, you know, let's just think about it when we're going to either add a new pup or, or adding a baby. Think about how are you going to prepare? What are you going to do? And typically when we are having a baby, you have prepared. Even, you know, if it was kind of a surprise, you, you prepare because you have nine months to prepare. But people walking around a shopping mall, they go, oh, look at that cute dog. Let's buy it. Here's $4,000, $5,000 for some whatever it is, a mix of a mix of a mix. Um, and and then they're like, oh, well, let's buy it. Okay, we'll get the dog food in the bed and everything. Well, you haven't prepared anything for it. You haven't puppy, puppy-proofed puppy your, uh, your home. You haven't done really anything that you needed to do. And the first and most important thing is, what do we do if this doesn't work out? What's our contingency plan? And nobody ever goes in with that. They just go in assuming, well, I am the best person in the world, so therefore I am not going to fail, and I am going to uh, make this puppy the best trained dog on the entire earth. And then because of genetics or because you're not the best dog trainer in the world, and you're not me, and you're not somebody who really, really knows, and now you have a problem, you don't know what to do. So what do you do? You go to your local obedience trainer, and your local obedience trainer makes your dog do all kinds of tricks, except the dog's still biting your kid at home or still peeing in the house or still doing whatever, because obedience is great on a good dog. It's it's wonderful. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I do it just because I get stuck doing it. People want the dog to sit, but... You know, I look at it as, wouldn't you rather have your dog just do everything automatically like our service dogs do? 
just a few moments ago, I was on with a very close friend of mine in the Ridgeback world. And she and I were talking. And while we were talking, I let my four seven-and-a-half-month-old Ridgeback puppies, four of them, in from outside. And, yes, my house is rather large. So it took a while. And I let them in. I didn't say a word. They all came in. They waited for me to open the door. I opened the door. They ran upstairs. I opened the door upstairs to their bedroom. They they waited. I opened that door. They ran in. They had, each one of them waited by their little beds. And I gave them each a little pet. And I gave them a little cookie. Petted them. I'll see you later, girls. No talking. No stress. No running all over the house. No having accidents. Because the more you add and the more excitement you add to whatever situation it is, the more dominant behaviors, which leads to aggressive behaviors. So the whole key is making sure that the excitement of like having you know, a whole bunch of puppies, right? So the excitement of all that happening, if I were starting like, oh, let's go, girl, come on, come on, let's go, oh, no, come on, like, we got to go, blah, blah. those dogs wouldn't be listening to me. They would be frenetic, and that's why we have to remember that our energy affects our dog's behavior, like massively. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm mopey, so my dog's mopey. Some dogs, if you're moping around or if you're sad or you're angry or frustrated, some of them will just go lay down. But most of them, and certainly a lot of the ones that make you listen to my show every week, those dogs say to themselves, oh, look, my person is stressed. Oh, my person is frustrated. My person is upset. My person is sad. I'm a good dog and I love my person. So I am going to provide and protect for my person. I'm going to take care of my person. That means I shouldn't let anybody near him or her because they're upset and someone might hurt my person. So I will just growl, and if they really come close, I will bite them. Sound familiar to some of you guys? You're holding the dog. You're stressed from work. Your husband comes over to give you a hug, and the dog bites your husband or vice versa. Your husband bites the dog. The dog bites your wife, bites whoever it is, your significant other. That is what's going on because we can't fake it to an animal. Animals can read our in everything, the animals can read our energy, the animals can read our minds, and the animals are able to know us better than we know ourselves. So what happens and what does that mean? Well, first of all, fake it till you make it. You've got to, if you're upset, if God forbid you, there's a loss in your family, whatever, God forbid you get fired, you know, something terrible happens to you. The most important part for you is to not show it around the dogs because the dogs will very often pick up on your energy and they will start developing more behavioral issues. So that's why a lot of times when people lose a dog or lose a pet and they get a new one to replace it, the new one is like crazy. The new one is like is overprotective and oh my gosh, I can't believe it, and I just didn't want the house to be empty, and now I've got this dog who's trying to growl and bite people when they're coming in, or it's 
you know, lunging or it's trying to get through the window at people or it's screaming all day and all night if I'm at work or if I'm out and I'm getting complaints on, you know, on, on my, uh, you know, my my condo complex. Not I don't have any of those uh, condo complex or my apartment building and neighbors hate me and they're like trying to get us kicked out because the dog won't shut up. And that sounds very familiar, I'm sure, to a lot of you. You know what separation anxiety is? Yes, I know you know what separation anxiety is. Do you know what causes separation anxiety? What is it? You are wrong. That is the wrong answer. It is not what you think. Separation anxiety is not that the dog misses you. Separation anxiety is not that the dog is alone and it's scared of being alone. 998 or 9% of the time. Separation anxiety is exactly the same thing as what our parents, when we were little kids, would have done if they couldn't find us. Now, remember when we were little kids, and depending on how old you were, there might not have been cell phones. Well, before this advent of the cell phone, what would happen if you forgot to call your parents when you went to your friend's house? And now it's five or six o'clock and every one of your friend's parents gets a phone call. Is, is Joey there? Is, is Joey at your house? No, he's not here. Oh, my gosh. Please call me if he comes in. And the next call to Mrs. Smith, is Joey there? Did Joey come home with Robert? No, Joey didn't come home with Robert. Good luck. You could have that. And God forbid when you walked in that door, The first thing that happened is you got hugged, and the second thing was you got punished. First thing was like, oh, my God, you're okay, you're okay, where were you? And then you say, space aliens abducted me. I don't think that one would work. But you say, oh, I went to Richie's house. But you didn't tell us that you went to Richie's house. We didn't know. We called the police. We called everybody that you're getting punished. You cannot do that. You are not allowed to go anywhere after school for two weeks because you need to learn that you're not allowed to go anywhere that you haven't told us you're going. Because why? We worry about you. So guess what separation anxiety is with a dog? The dog turns into the parent because your energy gets weaker or unstable. And remember, dogs won't follow an unstable leader. They just won't. People will, but animals will not follow someone or something that's unstable. So what winds up happening is, for separation anxiety, the dog is trying to protect you, provide for your needs, take care of you, keep an eye on you, make sure you're safe, make sure you're warm, make sure you're clothed, you're fed. But when you're not there, or if, God forbid, you put the dog in a crate, or in your room, and now the dog can't get at you, well, think about what would our parents, or what would those of you who are parents, what would you do if your three-year-old disappeared and you had just locked all the doors and windows? Where would you go? What would you do? Would you bang on windows? Would you tear things up? Would you try to scratch at the door? Wouldn't you do anything that you had to do to try to get out of that locked enclosure? so that you could make sure that your three-year-old was safe. That is what's going through these dogs' heads. 
Typically, dumb dogs don't have behavioral issues, just the way it is. Smarter dogs, or at least average intelligence, will start to have issues. Uh, it is very rare that I walk into a really dumb dog that has behavioral issues other than maybe jumping or chewing. Some of the, the poodle mixes, God, they didn't get a whole lot of poodle. And, and some of those are really dumb as stumps. And I'm sorry if I'm offending you, but I'm still doing it because it's true. Um, I'm very honest about things, as you all know, and you're listening, so I guess you're not that offended. But listen, it's like kids. Kids who are very simple don't have behavioral issues. They follow the rules. They're the easiest, most wonderful kids in the world. And that's why you got to love, like I love, and we have with our service dogs, we place service dogs also with kids with Down syndrome. They, unless there's a comorbidity of like autism, which we do have a few of them with that as well, a kid with Down syndrome, they're happy, they're wonderful, they're the easiest children. Don't feel sorry for them. They are, I, I mean, they're just the most joyous, wonderful, beautiful human beings. They don't worry about things. They don't stress. They don't try to break rules. They're rule followers. So many of them are just like they're the best kids in the world. And that's because they're not thinking about a million different things. And granted, there are levels of Down syndrome as well. But the kids who are pretty affected... I mean, they're, they're typically wonderful. It's, it's just, I love being around. Like, that's probably my favorite special needs kids to be actually be around because they're so easy and they're wonderful and they're so cute and they just are lovely, lovely creatures on this earth, lovely human beings on this earth. But then you start getting into the kids who have different things that I won't specify, but different things where they may be hyperactive or they're, they're way too smart and they connive and they, they figure things out and they work on things and they're trying to get away with things and they're you know, running around and they are a problem because they are really smart. Now, it's great because once they grow up, they grow up to be super successful, but to be the parent and bring that child up to like the age of 21, good luck on that one. But it's the same thing with dogs. The dogs who have more significant behavioral issues are not like the doodles and the, I mean, there's some of them that aren't stupid, but a lot of them are just very, very simple animals. They, the worst thing I see when someone calls me for help with one maybe they're jumping or they're eating something. They're big chewers a lot of times. They're chewing something or they have a physical thing like a megasophagus from poor breeding, something like that. But they don't have a lot of them, uh, those kind of issues. So it's more of the dogs who tend to have more behavioral issues tend to be smarter. Sometimes I think, I swear, some of these dogs are way smarter than the people who own them. If you're nodding your head and looking at your husband or your wife right now, that's not nice. Maybe true, but that's not nice. So think about what we can do to change the relationship so that the separation anxiety really doesn't come out. So that means that the dog needs to understand that it is the child. Forget this dominate the dog crap and you got to, you know, I'll show them who's boss. It's that's. That's just being an asshole, okay? That's what I love about podcasts and about my radio show because BBS Radio doesn't care if I say that. But 
you know, let's just think about it. Why are you going to be, you know, oh, you know, if you're not going to fix it, it's your fault. You're too soft. No. Some dogs have issues because the dogs have issues. And many, if not most owners, especially the good ones, uh, really good ones, they want to help the animals, but they have to know where to go. You have to be able to, if you aren't going to be calling me or calling one of our people, you need to tell your local dog trainer who you want to use for a behavior because they don't handle behaviors. They think they do, but they're not handling behaviors. They're handling obedience. Obedience is in the body bribery from food or whatever they're giving you or a shock collar zapping them, which I think is atrocious and it's just heinous. You have to tell them, I need to work on the relationship. Okay. So I need you to show me things that teach the dog that I'm the parent, not that I'm the boss, not that I'm the leader, not that I'm dominant to him, that I'm his parent. I'm his mom. I'm his dad. Think of how you raise your own children. Don't you raise your children to respect you and to respect others? Hopefully you're not hitting them and beating them into submission, but you're teaching them. And yes, it takes a little time. It takes time. Try to potty train a three-month-old baby. Try to yell at a baby that's three months old because it's not potty trained and it doesn't walk or talk yet. Yell at it because that's good. Kick it. And I'm not advocating that, please. Please don't go there. I don't put up with that crap. But why would you ever kick or hit or hurt a baby for not being an adult? So why are you getting mad at a dog who is not developmentally at an age or at a phase where he's able to do those particular behaviors? So why are you yelling at a dog, kicking the dog, hitting the dog, yelling at the dog, all those things, if the dog just isn't at that point. Do you know, and we talked about separation anxiety, I want to talk about just a quick moment about potty training a dog. How do you housebreak a dog? Well, they can only typically hold their urine for about one hour for every month old they are. So if you have a three-month-old puppy and you're leaving him for six or eight hours, his bladder is not big enough and strong enough yet. The muscles aren't strong enough. He hasn't developed enough tone in the muscles of the bladder to be able to hold it. So he can't. So all you're doing is being abusive, which is not okay. Going back very quickly and talking about what we started with, with separation anxiety. How do you teach a dog that you're in charge? Because you're going to follow the rules. Get my book. It's really, I, I that's why I wrote my book. All right. It's called Happens, S-H-H-H, Happens, Dog Behavior 101 by Janice Wolf. It's on Amazon. You can get it. Um, It's a phenomenal, very easy-to-read book. Read it and then read it again and again. You'll get more out of it each time you read it. Um, It's just a really great book. It doesn't talk about me. It talks about how to get your dog to understand in the relationship that you are the one who's in charge, and that's a good thing. Not that I'm the leader, you're going to listen to me, damn it. It's more of I'm your mother or I'm your father, I'm your whatever, and because I love you and because I provide for your needs, because I protect you, because I give you everything, 
and I'm calm and I'm confident and I'm able to teach you, that's why you're going to follow me around. That's why you're going to do what I say because I know better. Not because you're going to get in trouble, but because I know better. And that is why you need to get the book. We are going to be taking a very quick break, and then we will be returning with the other half of the show, which is From Shelter Dog to Service Dog. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the show. We're having a very spirited interlude, talking about a little crypto and uh, we're going to talk now about how you can control your dog way better than you can control the financial markets. Totally, totally going to tell you exactly what to do on this. Now, from shelter dog to service dog, we a lot of times talk about service dogs, and we talk about what to do. But today we're going to talk about the shelter dog aspect, and not just what you should pick and not what kind of dog you should look for, but looking at where you get the dog. Now, a lot there's a million rescues, and it seems like there's an ego big enough to fill the oceans at each of them. But there are some really spectacular rescues that are just there for the animals. And the best thing to do is not to just look for a specific dog, but it's really to look for a specific rescue, perhaps one near you, or one that you like to work with, that you've heard good things about. Because if you have a problem with that dog, with that cat, guess what happens? It's like a bad breeder. A lot of these rescues are like, well, just just give it away, put it in the shelter. They don't care because they don't care. They got their 350 400 $500, $600, $700. I've seen some of these quote-unquote rescues uh, selling for a poodle mix. Yeah, right. You rescued them. It's breeders. So a lot of it is not exactly what you think it is. And that's where you really need to start looking at the rescue or the shelter that is going to be there. Look for ones that are around a long time. Look for ones that don't charge you for additional things like, you know, oh, well, we recommend, um, you know, this person, but, you know, they charge, you know, $400 a day, um, but you go there and then the person gets a kickback. You got to be really careful because there's a lot of scams. There's a lot of really bad um, rescues out there. And there are a couple shelters, more than a couple, who are not very good. So if you are looking for an animal, if you are looking I would look not necessarily for that specific breed or type of dog. I'd be finding the rescue or shelter that allows you the questions that you have want to answer. Uh, they allow you the time. They want to meet your family. You might have to go back two or three times. And people will say, oh, well, they're too controlling. That's what you want because those are the rescues and shelters that are going to go and literally just be like the best of the best of the best of the best. Those are going to be the ones that when you do have an issue, somebody from the rescue or shelter will come out or they'll get in touch with us. We have a whole program for rescues and shelters. 
um, and you'll get that help that you need. But if you go and you say like, oh, I want to whatever, and you just get it from somebody in a Walmart parking lot, you know, you get what you pay for. So how do you find a really, really good rescue or shelter? So the questions that you should ask them are, what are your requirements for us to adopt a dog? What kind of support can you give our family or what kind of training can you give our family to teach us how, even if you've had animals before, to teach us not only about the dog we're going to get, but about dogs in general and are there any tips, are there any tricks, what's the best type of, uh, let's say food, although you already know that because you're listening to the show, um, what kind of toys are okay, ask that, what time, really give it some thought. And make sure that you fit and that you like the people there. Make sure you talk to the adoption counselors and see the, the premises. And sometimes they're volunteers with just foster-based. Foster, a lot of times the places will say, oh, well, we don't have a, a kennel area. We are all foster-based. Like, they're proud of it. It just means they can't afford to get a place. Um, believe me, everybody wants to have a place but there's so many darn rescues out there that shouldn't be out there um, and that are literally ripping people off. It's really heartbreaking because there are some fabulous, absolutely outrageously wonderful people with some great rescues. Um, we know a lot of good ones, so we know a lot of bad ones. If you ever want to know, you can call us up and we're happy to talk to you about it. But what do you look for? Okay, well, first of all, you want the place that when you come in and you say, okay, I'm looking at fluffy number 327, that they're not saying to you, oh, sorry, fluffy 327 was just adopted. That's not available. But look at this one. Look at, you know, whatever his name is. Look at the Fido over here and Fido number 632 Fido 632, he's the perfect dog for your family. Yeah, I know he looks a little big and he's growling at your littlest child, but it'll go away. Like, literally, I have seen bait and switch at so many rescues and shelters that it's just disgusting. The key here is make sure that whatever it is and whatever the animal is that you want, whether it's a cat, a dog, a bunny, whatever, make sure that you get that good feeling about them. Don't take a dog and go, well, I have to rescue him because if I don't rescue him, he's going to wind up staying there forever. No, there's another schmuck who's going to take him. You don't need to get a problem when you have little kids around, especially. If you are not going to be, if you're not a professional, and I'm not even going to say professional dog trainer, if you're not a professional behaviorist, even veterinarians, I have at our specialty practice, I would say there's, what, about 70 veterinarians maybe? Do you know, I don't think one of them has a dog that's really well-behaved because they don't learn behavior. They don't learn behavior. They don't learn about nutrition unless they're specialists. And then if they're behaviorists, it's medicating, medicating, medicating. And you know how I push everybody, you know, look at the physical first. Look at the, you know, the fact of what may be wrong with the dog's mind or body if it's in pain or something else, but same thing, rescues and shelters, you should talk to people and talk, look at Yelp, look at, you know, the reviews on, on pet finder, but find a rescue whose people you trust. 
Don't say, well, but I wanted really to get a dog for Christmas. You know what? If it takes you till, you know, Valentine's Day or it takes you till Labor Day or Memorial Day or Fourth of July, who cares? You're going to have this animal for years and years. Make sure it's the right animal because when you get the wrong one, it's hell. Not only can you take a chance of having your kids bitten or they they feel, you know, they're afraid of the animal or whatever, but it's just wrong in so many ways because you're setting yourself up to fail. So when you ask the questions of, you know, a shelter or rescue, the key here is don't ask them questions that would be questions that you think you should have already known, meaning, oh, how long has your rescue been around? You can look that up. Um, How many dogs do you place a year? Where do you get your dogs? You should know that already. You should go in like it's a job interview and make sure that you know what you're looking for. Make sure you tell them, I don't want whatever breed of dog. Like, I don't want a German Shepherd, okay? I don't want anything that's got German Shepherd. Okay, if they keep parading out a bunch of dogs that all either are or have a lot of German Shepherd in them, it's not a good rescue group for you because there are plenty of people who are going to go in and say, I would love a German Shepherd or Shepherd mix because those people are going to be a good fit for a German Shepherd. You might not be. So don't get involved with something that is not the right breed for your family. I was heartbroken. Lovely, lovely family, speaking of German Shepherds, bought a uh, German Shepherd from uh, a guy um, who was supposedly breeding, you know, the whole, uh, you know, whatever he was breeding. And it was really sad because these people tried so hard and they had me. I started, I mean, I know they had a trainer. This dog was petrified wouldn't go outside, wouldn't go out up and down stairs, um, was growling, was, I mean, it was just, it was so sad. And the dog really had a lot of problems and issues. And this family and I worked so hard, but I kept telling them the dog has fear aggression. When it was little, it was like four months old when they called me or five months old. And I was trying to explain to them, I said, it could be a developmental phase, but this is going to be a big dog. And the dog wound up trying to bite one of their children pretty badly. Um, And I was there and I went over and the dog tried to get me and I fixed them. And, but I told them, honestly, I said, I told you this, you know, six, eight months ago, this is not the dog for you, your family, your great pet owners, because they felt horrible. They thought it was their fault. I said, you guys have done everything right. This is not the right breed for your family. There are plenty of families or individuals who will be great. Like German Shepherds, I'm, that's not my favorite breed, but I've seen some that are amazing. And we had one. I would have kept this as my dog. I love this dog. It was a German Shepherd, gorgeous dog. And again, I don't like hairy dogs. I'm allergic to them. But it was just a wonderful dog. So there can be wonderful you know, groups of dogs that you might say, oh, I want a German Shepherd, but there are German Shepherd people who've had German Shepherds that they had to get rid of because every breed, every combination can have an issue. If they have teeth, they can bite. If they have legs, they can run away and jump. So the key is for you guys is pick the right dog based on your family. 
Is it your first dog that you're ever going to have in the house? Well, then make sure you contact us. You can contact us at 855-449-9288 or at k9behaviorists at uh, gmail.com, just k9 no hyphen. Um, We'll help you. Read my book. But in my book, you will actually be reading a lot about how to choose a dog. There's a whole chapter in there about how to choose a dog. And even worse is if you have dogs already and you bring a new one in, sometimes the existing dogs are like, oh, hell no, I don't want that little one in here. I don't want that other dog in here. And sometimes the new dog is going after the old dog. I've seen it both ways. I've seen people just have dogs that hate each other. I remember there was a family in Texas that I worked with that had a male and a female boxer that hated each I hated, like, the worst hatred, the worst divorce you ever saw. These dogs could not stand to be near each other. They were litter mates. They called me, and I told them. I, I said, I'm not even coming to your house. What you're telling me is the dogs hate each other. Can you make it work where they won't eat each other? Yes, I can do that. But why do you want to live your life like that? Why do you want these poor dogs to live lives like that? They're never going to like each other. There are people in this world that I despise. If you put me in a room with them, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to try to take them out because I would. So why would you put me or why would you put yourself or why would you put a dog or another animal in with another one that they don't like or that they hate or despise just because you think it's pretty? No. Animals get a choice, too. They don't make decisions. They are not going to make decisions. That's too much for them. But having choices is good. And having the choice to determine what they want to do and where they want to go and all of those good things, those are the things that we, as their humans, need to take care of. So when you go into the shelter, when you go into the rescue, you tell them very specifically, we have, you know, it's myself and it's my husband and, you know, he's got failing health and, you know, I'm working, you know, eight hours a day outside the house and I have to commute an hour each way. So the dog will be home with my husband who's retired, but he's not really great with the dog. My, my adult children will come and help. They'll come on weekends to help. That's our situation. Don't lie and say like, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to be home all the time with the dog. We have a fence yard because they're going to count on what you say. A good counselor, a good person is going to count on what you say, and they are going to come in and they're going to say to you, um, you know, either, you know, yes or no, this is a good dog for you. This isn't a good dog for you. And if it isn't a good dog for you, don't try to change what you are because they know that most of these people have been in it a while, the rescues and shelters. They know what's going to be good. They know what's going to be the right animal for you. So be honest with them and tell them. And that's why it's so important to find the right rescue or shelter because they are going to be the ones who are going to figure out what is best for you based on what you need and what your family situation is. So, you know, it's just crazy how quickly time flies. I've got Wispa the bunny dog in here with me right now. Hey, Wispa, say hi to everyone. 
She says hi. And I wish everybody a nice, happy, healthy weekend and good week ahead. Make sure you tune in next week to, uh, you know, Friday nights or get us on podcast. And we will have some more interesting, perhaps provocative, and certainly very spirited conversation. And hopefully the crypto market is not going to tank even more, which I think it will do. Have a wonderful, great week ahead. God bless. Hug your kids and your dogs. And never forget to say thank you.